morning. You are tuned into the Media Launch Podcast, your source for entertainment, music, and trending news. Listeners, if you aren't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow on Instagram at the underscore media underscore lounge underscore. So what is going down on today's episode? Well, if you guessed that I have a special guest on the line that is here to talk about a social issue and even reached further and created a true crime thriller documentary film that will be delivered to your living room, you are correct. On or about May 9th, the Chicago Tribune published an article on a documentary that premiered in the Tribeca Film Festival in 2018, Roll Red Roll by director and producer Nancy Schwartzman. The documentary has also been recognized by the New York Times and described as bone chilling. Based on a true story, the documentary is about the 2012 rape of a 16-year-old Ohio girl. As mentioned, this is a social issue. When members of a football team rape a girl, laugh about it, tweet about it, and even post disturbing pictures on social media about it, it is no longer an individual issue, but something that has become more widespread as we experience a moral decline in our culture today. While we know that sexual assault and rape cases are extremely sensitive in nature, I think it suffices to say that the media also has a way of reporting such stories to suggest that somehow the victim was at fault and even deserving of the assault. Such was the case of the aforementioned Ohio rape of 16-year-old girl who we will know as Jane Doe. With me on the line to share the story and tell us more on the documentary is director and producer Nancy Schwartzman. Nancy, welcome to the Media Lounge Podcast. How are you today? Uh, I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. Now, Nancy, let me tell you that I have such respect for producers and filmmakers such as yourself who spend their time passionately creating stories or shedding light on stories with the hope to impact people and communities. I am excited to learn more about this project. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Now, Nancy, just in summary, where are you from? How long have you been in filmmaking? Um, Sure. So I uh, have lived in New York City for 20 years, so I am pretty much a New York woman. um, And Roll Red Roll is my first uh, feature-length documentary, but I've made two other short films, so I've been making films for about – 10 years, um, and I took a detour for a few years to be a tech founder and develop uh, some mobile apps. Okay, so Roll Red Roll, which is your current project, tell us about it, and why did you feel compelled to share the story on the Ohio rape of Jane Doe? Yeah, I was really sort of moved by the story. My first thought, you know, the case broke, and I had done work around antiviolence and sexuality and sexual empowerment for several years, so I've been sort of steeped in different cases over the years. Um, So initially when this one broke, I thought, okay, you know, my father was talking about it because it made the New York Times, right? And he said, look look at what's happening in Ohio. And my thought was like, Dad, this is happening everywhere. (laughs) This is not just happening in Ohio, and I'm, I'm glad you're reading about it and you're starting to learn about it. But for those of us who have sort of been aware of how sexual violence works, especially with young people, um, it wasn't really new, but what was really shocking and um, I think really important about the story was the archive of social media, the availability, social media discourse, and basically evidence of how 
young men were talking about the victim and talking about rape and sharing in this language and these jokes about it. How did social media play a role in that rape of the young lady? Was it publicized online? Was it shared yeah. live? Yes. There was a way that you could track from publicly available social media the entire trajectory of the night, planning the party, where is everyone going to be, um, we're all here, it's going to be really fun, it's a banger. You can see that. You can see the language change. Oh, wow, look at this girl. She's so floppy. There's a photo. Ha, ha, ha. Song of the night is rape me. You know, it starts to get really dark and, and explicit about what is happening. Um, and I think for me what I wanted to explore was really a story about sexual violence that didn't center the victim. Um, so mm-hmm. often our response is to scrutinize, well, what was she wearing? What did she do? How did she bring this upon herself? And not only is that dangerous and awful in terms of rape myths, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. no outfit that protects any woman, right? It's really about the actions of those mm-hmm. who choose to commit the violence. So I wanted to, to shine a light on perpetrators and predatory behavior and pattern and those who watch and don't do anything or those who watch and make jokes and enable, right? So as right. communities, we're all sort of complicit in, oh, I heard about, you know, I heard about an experience when I was in high school and I didn't do anything about it or I joked about it and shamed the victim. Like, this is so common. We've been touring with this film for a year and I hear that from everyone. Stuff like this happened at my school and I didn't do anything and, or I laughed about it. Um, so I think if we can really show, and Steuben built the story enabled us to do that, because it's all there, the language of how, how it's being set up and documented. Why did, you know, in this age of everything online and access to cameras and social media, why is our impulse to document something and not help someone? Right, so all of the right. questions and stuff I wanted to explore. Mm-hmm. So how did you put your timeline of the events together to accurately tell the story on your film? Did you at any point interview Miss Jane Doe? No, just to, you know, say again, it was always my intent to protect Mm -hmm. Jane Doe. And actually Mm -hmm. putting her in the film draws more scrutiny to her. It suddenly, Mm -hmm. you know, it becomes about her actions or her experience or her behavior. And that's not what I wanted this film to be about. Um, in any way. So how we structured it was really just following the timeline of the investigation and trying to follow the timeline of how things unfurled, Um, the discovery of the crime, then the first kind of hit of social media, then the town's response. And the investigation gets deeper and deeper because they dig in um, and look at past behavior and uncover another assault that had gone on by the same group of boys and sort of when the Internet intervened, right, Anonymous, the hacking collective, came in and got involved, it sort of exploded a legacy. Um, and there were several Jane Doe's that went to, you know, the courthouse stairs to tell their story for the first time. So, you know, the Internet and social media is, was also a force for good in this story as well. Going back to the actual events, Jane is being raped. Everyone is either looking away or filming it in some form or another, and putting it online, tweeting it, maybe Snapchatting it. So the evidence is out there. What did the coaches and staff do, if anything, to ensure that justice was served for Jane Doe? Sure. I mean, some of that social media was not necessarily criminal evidence. It wasn't, you know, the smoking gun that cracked the case, per se. It was a way for investigators to understand 
who was where. Um, but really the social media functioned to illuminate the culture, right? It's like, oh, my God, if 30 people are watching an incapacitated girl be carried out of a party, nobody's doing anything. She's being carried out of a party, put in a car with four guys. Um, no one's doing anything. There's been chat about what might happen to her because that was sort of the cultural norm, right? Oh, well, you know how it is when you go out with a football team. Um, it was as if rape was inevitable and everyone was just acting like it was inevitable. So there's eyewitnesses to that, and then, then there's a handful of eyewitnesses to the actual assault. There's three of them. There's two boys who commit the assault and three eyewitnesses, and those eyewitnesses were actually used in court to get convictions. Um, because they were in the room. One of them took photos. All of them shared photos. So those photos didn't make it to social media and get passed around. Only the police have seen them. But the stuff that did circulate is the stuff that got to CNN, um, the YouTube video of the kid laughing, more of that cultural behavior that I think shocked so many people across the country. And the assailants, they were part of the football team. Tell us how did the spirit of that football season change, or how was it different in any way, if at all? You know, a lot of folks in town felt very defensive Mm -hmm. about the media scrutiny they received. There's like an easy story to tell about Mm -hmm. Steubenville, and then there's a complex, complicated story. So we spent a lot of time there, um, a few years back and forth, really understanding and listening to how this was affecting people. Um, so some people in the defensive said they're trying to take away our football team. Um, they want to close down our program. We need to dig in our heels. And, of course, survivors and advocates are not trying to shut down the football program. They're just yeah. trying to ensure that there are safer schools and safer environments for all students. Um, so nothing really has changed. The coach is still coaching. Um, they won state mm-hmm. championships um, a few years ago. To my knowledge, there isn't, you know, sexual consent and um, appropriate educational standards for all students in the school system, uh, which is unfortunate. I think that's what really needs to change, and that needs to change at all schools. It's not just um, a student bill problem, right? So just to give you a quick example, um, students in Bethesda, Maryland, brought my my film to their school, and they said, hey, we want to show this film. And this is a school that had had a very violent hazing incident a few months prior. And the school said, no, we can't talk about this. We don't have a problem. We don't need to. And actually, the students rallied and got it in the local theater in Washington and had 300 students there and wrote a piece about it for the Washington Post. So administrators are also dragging their heels all over the country about addressing sexual violence among teenagers. So it's not, I don't want to just point a finger and say, oh, they're not changing in student mill. I think a lot mm-hmm. of communities are, aren't changing and they just don't have the courage to address it. So, Nancy, what is it that you wish for the viewers to take away from your film, Roll Red Roll? Sorry, what was the question? What is it that you wish for the viewers to take away from your film, Roll Red Roll? Yeah, um, I think that what we really want the film to do is shed light on rape culture and harmful notions of masculinity and how when we laugh off jokes or say, oh, boys will be boys, or, oh, that's just locker room talk, I want folks to understand when you don't do anything as adult, it's really dangerous. And if you're not going to talk to your kids or it's not going to be in the school, 
addressing it, they're going to get it somewhere else. And the way young men are being socialized right now is actually really dangerous. Um, there are ways to intervene. There's a lot of good programs. And there's a young man in the film, Sean McGee, who stands up and says, you know, this is not okay. This is not okay. He felt it was wrong. He knew it was wrong. And he stood up and did something. And it always takes courage to do that. So I don't want to say, oh, it's easy. You know, you just go against the grain, right? It's hard. But most people, you know, most people know that what was going on was uncomfortable and wrong. Um, So I also, I just don't want to put all the pressure on teenagers to model the behavior when the parents and adults and coaches and teachers are not modeling it either. You know, the takeaway is that we have a problem, and the problem is starting young. This is not a college problem. This is a middle school and high school problem. Um, So we want to empower young men and men to get involved, starting in their own groups, in their own communities, in their own friend groups. And we're doing a lot of education with athletes um, and advocates, specifically men, who work with young men and boys around gender equality and challenging harmful notions of masculinity because they really think it has to happen. It has to come from men. And the transformation and change needs to happen in those spaces. Like women and survivors have been doing it for a long time, and I don't think it's as effective as when coaches show leadership and say, this is important. We shouldn't have to rely on women marching in the streets. We, we need to address this in our all-male spaces, in our corporate yeah. boardrooms, which should not be all-male, <laughs> in our locker rooms, yeah. et cetera. Very well said, very well said, Nancy. And it is imperative that we know that this is a serious issue. It's a serious matter. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we wrap up, Nancy, where can we catch the film? Um, Yeah, well, tonight on the 17th, we will Mm -hmm. kick off PBS's POV season. So we open on PBS at 10 p.m., I believe. And it'll stream there for a month. Our website is rollredrollfilm.com. And we have tons of resources, really smart, strategic resources for parents, for young men who want to make changes, for survivors, all that good stuff. Yeah, and we'll be uh, streaming for a month on PBS as well. Perfect. Excellent. And, Nancy, where can the listeners find you or learn more on on Roll Red Roll on social media other than the website? Sure. Yeah, social media, we are Roll Red Roll Doc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And my very professional Twitter handle is FancyNancyNYC, so everyone can find me on Twitter there. Um, Okay, excellent. And we will have additional information on the documentary on our website, MediaLoungeChicago.com. Nancy, I want to thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for sharing a little bit more on the actual documentary, and we will definitely post more on our social media. Listeners, amazing. It, Nancy, the producer and director. Thank you so much. Have an amazing weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.